just stuck around and helped out. This never would have happened and I would never have had to spend the goddamn night on the floor. Oh, my back uh, is killing me. Oh. Do you really think you've only been sleeping on the ground for a single night? Really? Why the hell would I think anything different? I... Wait, are you saying it hasn't been just a day? Because, like, this can't fly, man. I need to get some serious work done by August. I'm gonna... I'm gonna, like, take a bunch of notes ahead of time so I don't have to worry about it. And then, like, when August comes around, I can just breathe through. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be great. Just, like, are you here to record? Like, why would you be here to record already? Is it... Uh, it's not already Friday, is it? God damn it. Oh, 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 wow. Um, this, this might actually be a little uncomfortable. Ooh, um, well, Gleeman, maybe you should check your phone. Uh, I did put it on the charger. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? Maybe I'm uh, going to uh, come back another day. You, you just Friday, don't seem like you want to record. record. Uh, yeah, I think that would be. What? Sunday, August 4th? What? Wait, don't you go anywhere. Wait. Wait, what? Oh my god. Oh, uh, Gleeman, what are you doing? You just got all the dogs riled up. You know what? Just. Just calm down. I'll Don't be back and... you go anywhere. You, oh my God, I've been asleep for practically two weeks. I am. Uh, honestly, I don't really know how to answer that. It's, it's oh, not light. my fault. Two You're weeks, the one who two the fucking weeks, of... and you didn't wake me up. What the hell? How much have I missed? Have have I fallen behind? On... What the fuck? Okay, okay. I can see that you're upset. Um, uh, uh, first of all, I did try to wake you. Um, I came by that Friday, I came by the next Monday, and then I came by, you know, the last Friday, and you're still just laying there, and I kicked you, and I kicked you, and nothing happens, so So you let me still uh, sleep on the floor for two goddamn weeks, and... And, oh, you tried to kick me awake? Is that why I have bruises all? Oh, my. Oh, my God. Two weeks. Oh, my God. What have, what have I fallen oh, behind yeah, that on? that actually kind of I... reminds me. You're out of, uh, food. Yeah, a couple times I came over to check if you are ready to record, and I just, I was hungry. And, um, yeah, you're out of food. Uh, also, I tried to watch that Harmon Quest thing we were... We watched that one time. I, uh, all your streaming services are canceled. I, I, oh, I don't know. oh, oh, I see. Yeah, this is really, really fulfilling your part of the bar bargain, Balzaman, for working on this podcast. Yeah, letting me stay unconscious on the floor for two weeks so you could finish the job you walked out on. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, this is... Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, then you eat all my food, and then uh, my bills are overdue because... Oh, my God. Oh, and... 
Are we recording? Yeah, yeah. Set it up serious? so we can record at any moment. You know, I just clicked it with a weave of air when I walked in. Uh, on, on my way in. Uh, I, 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 I thought we'd finally be able to record today. That you'd be able to wake up today. Um, yeah. <sighs> yeah. And we are recording. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, if we're that far behind, I don't think I have time to... Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Gleeman Radio. I'm your host, Tom. Today, we're going to be covering Chapter 23, Wolf Brother, which is a supremely awesome and important chapter. Uh, luckily, I already read it ahead of time. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> we're going to meet Elias... We're going to meet Hopper, Burn, Wind, Dapple. It, it's it's going to be great. But you know what? I need a moment. <laughs> I need a fucking moment because I've been on the floor for two weeks. So Baalzaman's going to step in here and he's going to do the spoiler intro. And then he's going to do the recap. And then we're going to have a talk off air. And then I'll come back and do this podcast for you because you guys are great. Baalzaman, you know, I just, I can't. I just, I, I just, I, I just can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Gleeman looks pretty goddamn upset, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> you know, most people would appreciate a couple weeks off work. No? Uh, some people would think it a fair price, you know, to be out of food. Okay, I get it. I get it. I, I should have... Put in a little more effort to wake him up sooner, I know. But, you know, sometimes I wonder who's the actual asshole between us. It, it's remarkable. It really is. You know, but I can't entirely blame him for being upset. I mean, I, I, how many thousand-year naps have I had only to be able to come out and play for 40 years before it's back in the damn pit? I just... I, I should give him... You know what? I should give him... Yeah, you know what? He's allowed to be a little cranky. I'll let it go today. I'll let it go today. I hope we're gonna do some Baalzaman Q and A's though. I, 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 I don't know. So, uh, I guess I'll just get on with the uh, spoiler warning, won't I? <clears throat> you ready? This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for I am Baalzaman, heart of the dark. The creator of this alright content, you know, so-so. Uh, Gleeman Tom has created the series, created, has, uh, listened, no, read all of it. He has, he has read and listened to the series on multiple occasions, and he knows it quite well. Yes, he does. Uh, part of the fun of the reread is re-experiencing things and discovering new ones, you know, as he says. But, um... Yes, if you haven't read the entire series yet, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend listening to this podcast, to be honest, because, you know, the Gleeman may not remember every insignificant detail coming up, but, you know, he might discuss something that it relates to two, five, seven, or even ten books down the line, so if you listen, you know, regardless to my Baalzaman's warning, well... Who's to blame, listener? Not I. Who went and ruined what possibly could be the greatest fantasy series ever written? Not me, it was you. It, it was. It's just plain and simple. Yeah. Huh. 
Freeman's not back yet. Uh, I, I suppose I should just go on to the recap then. Yeah. So, chapter 22, um, I believe it was called A Path Chosen. Yes, uh, Perrin woke up and he was dressed like a tree because he, he covered himself in tree limbs to protect himself from the elements and they were still on him when he woke up. He looked like a tree. It was funny. This is lame, Osman. Lame. You can do better than this. Uh, uh, he looked like a dork when he was trying to run through the woods and, um, find a great, yeah. And then, and then, and then he was all cautious. Oh no, someone might find me, but then, you know, he sees a hoof print with a horseshoe from his old master, and he throws caution to the wind and just jauntily walks into the child's camp, you know? And it's no wonder she was alarmed and had a stick raised over her head. I mean, he was diving and taking rolls and hiding behind bushes, and all of a sudden, oh look, a, 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 a horseshoe from Evans Field. I'm gonna march through with the brambles and be all loud. And yeah, she was concerned, obviously. I, I, it, 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 it's weird, yes. Um, then they decide to go to Camelot. That's what happened. And then the whole, um, you know, side story of me leaving and the Gleeman calling upon the great lord of the dark to bring me back and that of course drew his attention upon the Gleeman, which made him sleep for two weeks because I was too lazy, lazy to heal him. Honestly, I could have healed him, but you all know what my healing's like. All he'd do is complain about having a migraine for the rest of the week. And just, what, what, what good would there be in that? Really, I, I mean right, honestly. All right, Balsamon, you finished? Yeah, yeah, I finished. Good, I think it's about time we had a little chat. Would you mind hitting the space bar and giving us some alone time to I talk? suppose if we have to. Well, listeners, here's the clip of the day for Chapter 23, Wolf Brother. Enjoy, I'm about to get yelled at. Yeah, we'll be right back. I, 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 I hope you enjoy the clip of the day. Just because I'm angry at him doesn't mean I'm angry at you, listeners. You're great. Elias went on in a conversational tone. Apple says she smelled Halfman and Trollocs in your minds while you were telling that fool story. They all did. You're mixed up with Trollocs somehow, and the Eyeless. Wolves hate Trollocs and Halfman worse than wildfire, worse than anything. And so do I. Burn wants to be done with you. It was Trollocs gave him that mark when he was a yearling. He says game is scarce and you're fatter than any deer he's seen in months. We should be done with you. But Byrne is always impatient. Why don't you tell me about it? I hope you're not dark friends. I don't like killing people after I've fed them. Just remember, they'll know if you lie. Even Dapple is already near as upset as Byrne. Oh, alrighty guys, welcome back to Gleeman Radio. Sorry for the wait. Maybe one day I'll learn that naming the Dark One goes badly. I just, like, needed Balsamon to come in and do his damn Q&A, and uh, I did something I shouldn't have, and it's awful. It, it was just, it was, it was awful. I, I really am. Like, I, my, my streaming services just really did get canceled. A whole bunch of things really did happen. Part of the reason I'm late. Um... But 
there was a problem with my bank card, and now I'm going to be broke for like the next week and a half. It, it's just, it's all this stuff, and uh, it started with me procrastinating, and then it pushed me into a hole, so I am sorry about that. Uh, I'm really excited for Chapter 23, Wolf Brother. This is going to be truly great, because like, in my opinion, there are two different parts that are important to the reread like uh the last chapter chapter 22 a path chosen that's all just fun little stuff you don't remember Perrin is not doing well at traveling in the woods really he's he's uh he's acting all goofy and he's you know like doing all this shit like re really because you think of him as wolf brother Perrin you know in rereads because you know you're so ingrained with all of that and you just see him acting ridiculous, and you see Egwene, who's so talented and so, like, just absolutely amazing when it comes to the one power later in the series going, like, you know, I, I lit a fire, ha <laughs> ha, you know, and you're like, ooh, you know, it's just so much little fun stuff, uh, which makes a reread so great. But chapter 23, Wolf Brother, is one of those important ch chapters, one of those fateful encounters that like really propel the story forward you know you got Rand meeting men early on that's important you got Matt and Shatter Logos taking something he never should have touched and that's important and then you have Perrin and Egwene in the woods across from the RNL meeting Elias and the wolves and that is very important even Egwene being there uh is just kind of great I I just it's it's phenomenal, and I'm so excited to get back into it. So let's just get into the chapter breakdown right now. So the chapter opens up with Perrin already sure that this is not going to be a pleasant, easy journey, you know? And it all started with Egwene declaring that they'll take turns riding Bella. And uh, Perrin tries to argue against this point. He really, he really does try. Um, but, uh, you know, Egwene's just not having it. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> uh, you know, Perrin's saying things like he, he's more used to walking than riding. Or that, you know, more practically, he's too big to ride Bella. Which I agree with. Honestly. Perrin's a pretty big guy, and Bella's... Bella's just a poor little cart horse. I mean, I think I said it in the last episode. You know, I think. Uh, it's, you know, great and all that the shaggy mare hauled Egwene across. Egwene's a small, slight girl. And, you know, maybe she could have done the same for Moraine or Nynaeve or, hey, you know what? Maybe even Matt and Tom. They're described as having slender frames. But Lan or Rand... Or Perrin? I, I, I don't think so. She's a little cart horse. You know, and her most memorable riders are, I believe, Swan and Egwene. So she's literally the Omerlin seat. <gasps> Bella. Bella the creator? No. Bella the Omerlin seat. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Oh, that one's not my script. That was just me talking out my ass, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, she's just, she's, 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 not big enough, and I don't know why Egwene is doing this, and that's not exactly true. She won't be dissuaded, okay? She's pulling out the stubbornness, full force, answering all of Perrin's points with ones of her own in a way that makes arguing back 
pointless. I, I just, I mean, come on. How is parents supposed to fight this without being a jackass? Egwene's just like, oh, I see now. So you are used to walking, and I'm not. I, I am not. So I, the only one that's supposed to get saddle sore, a parrot at Barra? Yeah? Yeah? And then when you're not able to walk anymore, because that's all you did for we don't know how long, who's going to have to take care of you, Perrin Avara? Me. M-E, Perrin. So don't be such a selfish dick. <laughs> okay. I may have paraphrased the last line. Just, just, just a little bit. So what? It all amounts to the same thing. How do you fight that, people? Really? She's like, am I the only one that's supposed to be uncomfortable? Am I the only one that's not supposed to get tired and just sore from riding the horse? I, I, like, how are you supposed to? You're walk, used to walking and I'm not? It's, it's just, without being a complete and utter dick, how are you supposed to fight this? I got nothing. I, I, don't, I don't know where you begin your argument. Maybe you guys could tell me because I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, and again, I don't think Egwene's just being stubborn for no reason or anything. I kind of alluded to that earlier, but I don't really believe that. She's scared and separated from Rand and Nynaeve, the people she's closest to. And her new mentor, Moraine, the super wizard, is nowhere to be found. And I think the girl's just trying to exert some small level of control over her surroundings to make her feel less powerless about her situation here. I, I mean, it's not like she or Perrin know if they're on the correct course to Camelin, or how long it'll take to get there, or, you know, even if they do get there, the Aes Sedai will find them, or if they'll have to go all the way on to Tarvalin. You get my point? There's so much uncertainty, and by God, she'll take charge of something and try to maintain some level of control over this hostile environment she's been put in full of doubt shadow spawn and fear i mean it, it makes sense she's trying to cling to something it's just she's clinging to something pointless <laughs> and what makes it so much worse um is it's not even like she's being unreasonable here either it's just hey parent let's take turns riding the horse so we don't get too tired or wear out our feet before we get to our destination especially since we don't know how far away it is i mean god Egwene, you're forcing parent to rest his tired feet jesus what a bitch <laughs> you can't you can't you can't even fight her about it and just now that i really think about it i hope they're giving bella breaks too like do they go Egwene rides Perrin rides you know they hang out for an hour and let bella wet rest i i i hope so um you know i'd never thought much about horses but i, I don't even claim to love or like horses but as I get into the series, I'm like, oh, I hope the horse is okay. Oh, Rand, you asshole. You bailed on Cloud like he was trash. You know, all this. I just, it's great. It's great. I think you're allowed to feel attached to Bella because, you know, she's around for a long time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in the end, even though Perrin really doesn't want to take his turn riding the small, shaggy little mare that is too small for him, the innkeeper's daughter bullies him into the saddle every time, 
And I love how at one point he's all sullen and he's thinking, Heroes and stories don't get bullied or flinch every time it's told their turn to ride the little horse. Oh, but then again, those heroes of legend never had to deal with a Gwen. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. I, I... Rereads to me are just fun for the little moments. I just, yeah, that stuff is so entertaining to me. Uh, moving on, so as it turns out, the writing-slash-walking arrangement was the least of their problems, after all. Uh, during their journey, the bread and cheese parents so dearly wanted seconds of on that first night uh, kind of gives out by day one. <laughs> They're already out uh, of food. That's, that's not good. Uh, but at least Perrin was able to snag a scrawny rabbit that first night. So, yeah, that was good. However, upon returning back to their camp with his mighty fetch, kill? Mm, that's a scrawny rabbit, who cares? Uh, he finds Egwene kneeling over the wood of the yet-to-began, yet-to-be-started campfire. Uh, eyes closed and a look of deep concentration on her face. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly why, but I always have loved Perrin's next line here so damn much. He just kind of looks at her and is like, Egwene, what are you doing? You can't wish a fire. <laughs> it amuses me and I don't know why. It's, it's been a, a line I chuckled at every single time I've read the series, I swear to God. Um... But Egwene's reaction seems a bit odd to me. She, like, whirls around with a hand to her throat, like, Oh my god! You know, kind of breathy, and, uh, with a parent, I didn't hear you coming. I mean, I, I, I know she was concentrating and trying to channel, but it just it just doesn't seem like Egwene sort of thing to do. I, holding a wooden stick like a club to bash Perrin as he thoughtlessly made noise heading into her camp last chapter, that seems legit. But, you know, then again, maybe I'm thinking more of the Egwene we see later in the series, you know? She's only like a 17, 18-year-old girl right now who'd left home for the first time only a few weeks ago in order to seek adventure. Maybe I'm just expecting too much from the current Egwene, but whatever. Anyways, Perrin tells her to go out, no, to get out her flint and steel so they can at least eat well that night, you know, because they got this scrawny rabbit that's that's totally eating well. Uh, but Egwene's like, I, I, I can't. I lost it in the river. And parents are like, wait, wait, you lost it? How did you start a fire last night then? I don't... And he gets enough clues to realize how she started the fire night before. And he's so not cool with it. He's you shouldn't mess with something like that. You, the, 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 the power? <laughs> and Egwene's just like, I can do it, Perrin. It was so easy last night. Just like Ma Maureen said I had taught me, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I bet it was, girl. You were soaked and wet, exhausted and terrified. It was dark, and you could probably still hear Trollocs in the distance. I bet it was super easy to surrender to Sidar at that point in time. 
However, I bet right now you're trying to control the flow. And uh, you see what I did there? You know, because she's untrained and doesn't truly know what she's doing yet and shouldn't be playing with fire, literally playing with fire. I, I just, I think Perrin's probably right. Egwene should not be playing with literal fire without a teacher to keep an eye on her. Remember when, like, Elaine burned her old hand because she tried to smother a candle by, like, putting it into a fireplace or something? Yeah, yeah, you know. Don't play with fire, Egwene, but whatever. Parent tries, he tries so hard, uh, to insist that she just don't do it again, please. But uh, you guys know Egwene. She's like, no, way in hell, I will not. And then she goes on another tirade, like, would you give up your axe, Parent Ibarra, or run around with one arm tied behind your back? I just will not do it. I mean, I get her point. She's so damn excited to be a potential Aes Sedai. And she doesn't want to deny who she is now that she's, you know, sure she's going to be an Aes Sedai. But I'm pretty sure Moraine must have told her at least a little bit of how dangerous Sidar is to use untrained. So, I, I, I don't know. Egwene has just always been stubborn about learning things before she's ready. So, like, whatever. I mean, uh, Perrin sets out to make a fire bow and make the campfire himself. And, uh, you know, he's of course not able to convince Egwene not to attempt channeling ever again. Uh, but he does at le least get her to concede not to try again that night. Uh, and I love how there's a description here of even after the rabbit was skinned and roasting over the fire, Egwene had, like, an unhappy look. And Perrin was sure she thought she could have done it better. <laughs> Oh, that's just kind of a Gwaine. <laughs> uh, she does try every night onward, though, uh, to absolutely no positive results. Like, at one point, she got a little pillar of smoke coming out, but it lasted like an instant and then vanished. So, <laughs> didn't really work out for her. Uh, so moving on, the Emmons Fielders kept pushing forward and the landscape itself began to change and become more thickly forested. If you remember when they were at the uh, River Arnell, you know, they were kind of some trees, uh, but not very many. And now they're like into thick, unruly forests. It's nice and atmospheric and we're getting closer to the wolves, which is fantastic. Uh, but poor... Poor Perrin was beginning to seriously doubt his own plan, especially as the days went by and they saw no signs of people to ask directions from, you know? Remember, their plan was kind of, we'll head this way because that's where Camelin's supposed to be, you know, based off my musings of a, a map that's, you know reported to be inaccurate. <laughs> and they're like, well, if we meet any villages or farms, we'll ask directions. But that's 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 not happening. And Egwene is carrying on as confidently as when they started, but poor, poor Perrin is just waiting for her to say it would have been better to stay there and wait for Moraine and, you know, even risk a trollic cook pot rather than become increasingly lost in the wilderness. She never did bring it up, but he kept expecting that, which is, you know, 
Robert Jordan letting us know that Perrin is not super confident in his leadership skills and in himself right now. You know, he's constantly dis expecting dissension among the ranks or, you know, negative feedback from his friends. But what is he supposed to expect when he's like, I have a plan, and Egwene raises her frickin' eyebrows. <laughs> um, yeah. During these two or so days... Food was getting ever more scarce, you know? After that scrawny rabbit from the first night, they, they they didn't see any more wild game, even though whoever was walking at the time had a sling ready for action. But as the book says, the only stones ever tossed were tossed in frustration. Uh, so they survived on wild tubers and other stuff they found in the wild, but nothing especially filling or delicious until uh, they came upon some wild mushrooms that they consumed super angrily, and they were named something like the Queen's Crown, and Perrin called them the best, and just, uh, I, I, I hate mushrooms. <laughs> I do. I have always hated them. I uh, I try to be nice about it, but mostly, you know, there are people who enjoy them, after all. And I don't want to make them feel bad about enjoying it. You know, much like Perrin and Egwene enjoyed their meal, eating away and talking merrily for a bit about home. You know, telling all these stories that started with, Hey, you remember when? I mean, good for them. I, I, I'm so happy they found some wild fungus to chew on. That That's... That's great. <laughs> uh, see, I, I try to be nice about it, but it's, it's fungus, guys. I don't, I don't understand. Anyways, the point is, the two are hungry. And they didn't laugh much before or after eating the mushrooms, because as Perrin so rightly puts it, there is little mirth in hunger. Uh, I get you, man. I think at one point in my early 20s and living in a studio apartment, I was eating on like $20 a week with ramen and dollar store hot dogs. Yeah. And I could usually only afford one meal a day. Yeah, by the end of the month, it was really tight. Uh, so the two continue on through the boundless wilderness and uh, on two separate occasions... On two separate days, and since we've been traveling for two days... Okay, so each day they came upon a ruin, a fortress, and a toppling tower in turn. However, memories of Shattered Logoth, kinda... They weren't interested in ruins, and they kinda sped along until the ruins were hidden by the forest. Uh, Egwene apparently complains of bad dreams on both nights after seeing the ruins, reminding her of, you know, Shattered Logoth... Of course, but honestly, like, she doesn't have as much to, like, fear as Perrin does. She only ran away from the Trollocs and the Fades and had to avoid Mashadar as well, and, you know, uh, it's scary. Very, 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 very scary, but I think Perrin's got worse from seeing more death, but whatever. Um, Perrin had bad dreams too, but didn't really see the point of bringing them up. You know, his job as appointed leader, was to do what he could to move them forward and keep them progressing, not scare Egwene with dreams of Balzaman chasing him through an endless maze, which I must admit does sound scary to me. Huh, I wonder if his subconscious fear 
causing the dreams of Baalzamon, or if it's actually Baalzamon hunting him in the dream, but he hasn't found him yet. Which makes me wonder why Baalzamon hasn't found him. Maybe he's already mid-change? I don't... I don't know. I... Hmm. Good luck? Tavirin luck? I don't... I don't know. I don't know. I think I have a theory, but no, 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 again, it's just its just maybe the wolves are nearby or something. I don't know. Uh, we know Elias is tracking them at this point in time, so I, I, I don't know. And I'm taking too much pointless time on this, so we'll move on because we're, 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 we're getting to the important bit, which is Elias and the wolves. So as Perrin was walking this time in front of Bella, happily not to be in the saddle, he and Egwene freeze as they catch a familiar scent on the wind. It's a campfire. A campfire with cooking meat. And uh, do I need to remind you that these two are hungry? So yeah, they're just like, oh my god, yes, yes, yes. Um, and Egwene's all about it. She's like, it smells like rabbit. Uh, but uh, Perrin's just like, maybe, maybe rabbit. Causing her smile to melt away. <laughs> yeah, Perrin thought they'd best be careful and check. Because for all they know, it could be a Trollic cook fire. And they would come across something much less pleasant uh, if they came upon it. But I think they would notice the difference between the smell of rabbit and, and, and the smell of like human flesh or whatever. I guess it could be Trollocs cooking rabbit. I, yeah, that... that, that hmm. yeah. I see more Trollocs killing each other when they're hungry and cooking their slain victim on the... On the crockpot, rather crockpot, <laughs> on the cookpot, rather than like catching a rabbit. Trollocs are too lazy for that shit, right? Anyways, Perrin grips his axe and tells Egwene to wait here while he goes out and checks it. You know, when she opens her mouth to argue the point, he's just like, "Hey, hey, be quiet. We don't know who it is yet." And it works. Why? I'm not. I can't be the only one confused here. Perrin's as dumbfounded as I am. He's just standing there, wondering why this doesn't work, when she tells him it's his turn to ride Bella. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe being a potential wizard and um, the innkeeper slash mayor's daughter of Edmonds Field has given her an inflated sense of, you know, importance. Maybe she thinks her life is worth more than his. I, I, I don't know, that sounds a little brutal and not very Egwene-like, but I, I I don't know. Maybe she's just scared and hungry, and maybe she's just picking her battles right now. I don't, I don't know. Um, but Perrin moves forward, acts out, and approaches as silently as he can. Uh, poor fella, he is... He is not confident with his weapon. He's not confident in his himself. You know, he's just... He tells us here that neither practicing behind Master Luhan's forge with the axe or his, you know, short-lived training with Lan had prepared him to use it as a proper weapon. And even the battle before Shadar Logoth seemed way too vague and, you know, fast-paced to provide him any comfort. You know, he doesn't remember it very well. And, uh, yeah, maybe that's a good thing, buddy, because uh, I seem to recall uh, multiple Trollocs trying to pull the axe out of his hands while another one had him by the legs or some such. Maybe, maybe not 
looking to that event for comfort and confidence was a good idea. <laughs> All right, so Perrin moves in. He gets close, and he peers around the trees, only to discover a lanky old bearded man with long hair down the back and a beard that goes halfway down to his waist. Yeah, that's the right word. And, uh, you know, he's dressed entirely in furs from his hat to his boots. Uh, he's got a crazy cloak that looks to be um, sewn together squirrel and rabbit hides, just about a billion of them. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's rocking the fur mountain man look. Yeah, Machira Threads, you know, available only at your local Cabela's. I actually bet they'd sell pretty well there. Yeah. Anyways, now the man was strange, to be sure. Yeah, but what really caught Perrin's attention was the six rabbits roasting on sticks over the fire, browned to perfection, with the meat sometimes dripping delicious juice Onto the fire with a hiss. Yeah, and a parent immediately starts drooling. He can't even help it. He's just like, oh my god, that looks amazing. And Elias, who a moment before just seemed to be sleeping, cracks open an eye and invites Parent on in. Why don't Why don't you come in and eat, boy? You know, cause he's he he he's been watching us. Uh, watching us. He's been watching Parent and Egwene for two days, and he sees they haven't been eating much, and. Uh, <laughs> This takes Perrin by surprise, you know. You don't expect to be stalked through the woods by an old man, but uh, Elias just says the horse is the only one of them that doesn't make enough noise to be heard miles off, which I guess could help support the Bella is the creator fan theory because, you know, I don't know, just, just evidence of her being awesome. But, uh... <laughs> Parrot is a little bit insulted. He kind of bristles at the insult because he's like, you can't hunt rabbits in the waterwood back home if you make noise in the woods. I was not making noise. Ah, <laughs> uh, again, poor Parrot. I mean, it's not his fault. I mean, he's probably fairly stealthy for a two legs, right? But he's got nothing on a wolf when it comes to stealth. At least not yet. Uh, so next... Elias asks if he's going to eat all the rabbit himself, or he's going to invite the pretty girl who's been bossing him around like a bantam rooster. <laughs> uh, I love how Elias teases him about getting bullied. Um, if he's going to invite her over for a bite too, which Perrin does, you know, because he remembers that she is hungry too. So he kind of just yells back, Yep, yeah, Egwene, you were right. It was Rabbit. You know, so yeah. Even though the old man totally just insulted him, Perrin greets him properly, holding out his hand and introducing himself because Perrin's got good manners. Yep, you know, and Elias is a bit taken back by the gesture. Probably hasn't shaken a hand in a while. You know, he's mostly with wolves. And I bet they're... Um, not amused by the whole shake joke, so I, I, I doubt you can you can get wolves to play shake. They'd probably get really insulted by it. And, uh, <laughs> what is wrong with me today? <laughs> so, yeah, Elias shakes his hand, but he does it oddly, because he's, like, you know, not used to it anymore. And then he introduces himself as Elias Machira for the first time, raising his uh, head to look Perrin in the eyes. 
and uh, Perrin got a little bit of a shock, you know, and practically dropped the man's hand because his eyes were yellow like burnished gold, and there was something familiar about it that he couldn't place at the moment. You know, they're not natural, but all I could think of that Trolloc eyes are black, so it's not Trolloc eyes. But where have I seen these golden eyes before? It's haunting. Um, at this time, Egwene emerges, cautiously leading Bella, and she tied the mare to a thick branch and made, I love this, polite sounds towards Elias as Paris introduced them? I mean, I mean, what does that even sound like? Oh, there you are, Egwene. I'd like to introduce oh, yeah, you to the right? guy who's going to feed oh, us so we don't yep. starve to Thank death. You. His oh, name so is Elias mm -hmm. Machira, oh, and he Thank roasted all six so of those rabbits just so for us. I know. I, I really know it's a nothing line. It just amuses me to no end. Um, anyways, Elias motions them towards the food, and the two young people fall to with a will. I mean, Perrin is pulling off chunks of meat so hot, he has to bounce it back and forth on his hands before it's cool enough to put it in his mouth, and, uh, greasy juice is running down Egwene's chin, because she's not eating neatly either, because they're just, they're just tearing into the flesh of those rabbits. They just need that sustenance, you know? They haven't eaten much in days, so go at it, guys. Good on you. Besides, I don't think Elias is going to be upset about by d bad table manners here, or, huh, would it be campsite manners? I, I don't know. Anyways, the two eat so long the day actually turns into twilight before they're able to stop. Yep, they were Hungry, all right. They ate for hours, I guess. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, and it's at this point that Elias asks them, what are they doing out here? You know, there isn't a house in 50 miles in any direction, no civilization at all. What are you kids doing? And Egwene's like, they're going to Camelin. And uh, Elias just loses it. He is laughing his ass off, guys. I mean, he is just... Oh, he is going nuts. Uh, he tells them that the route they're going, they'll pass something like a hundred miles north of Camelin. And an embarrassed Gwen tells him that they were, you know, planning on asking directions when they found a farm or village. Um, it just hasn't happened yet. And <laughs> this has Elias laughing still harder. And he tells her that they won't find any civilization at all the way they're going. He tells them, through his laughter, that they could keep traveling till the spine of the world and still meet no one. And that, you know, if they climb the spine, which it can be done in some places, they'd eventually meet someone, but they'd be in the waste, broiling by day, freezing by night, and no way to find water anytime unless you're an Aiel. And that they don't like visitors very much. This, in turn, becomes so amusing to the fur-clad old man that he literally starts rolling on the ground in laughter. No, they don't like visitors much at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, only a warder who helped train Lan up a bit would think dying by Aiel Spears is funny. And that would be, like, probably the best outcome 
of all. Otherwise, they might be sent back to the Dragon Wall in their skins with only like one water bag between them, or even worse, possibly sold as slaves to Shara. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I swear, Wolves, Warders, and Aiel, they all have very similar humor, and I like it. <laughs> Poor Perrin, uh, he doesn't get it all, and, and, and wonders if, you know, they're eating with a madman right now. That's all he can think of, because this is not normal behavior. <laughs> now, we're going to pause the progress of the chapter breakdown here for just a second so I can discuss something I've been really wondering about here, and that is Perrin meeting Elias out here in the woods seems like some Taviran work. For sure. You know, someone who can guide him and explain the beginning of his, you know, wolfiness. Uh, his furry little problem, <laughs> if you guys like a Harry Potter reference. And it makes me wonder why they found nothing to hunt the last few days. I mean, was that all part of it? I, I, either A, the creatures were scared of the wolves nearby... Because Elias did say he'd been watching Perrin and Egwene for two days. And Elias is never far from the pack. So, you know, all those predators around made the wolves and... You know, made the wolves. All those predators around made, like, the rabbits and, like, you know, uh, birds or whatever they were going to hunt, like, a little bit scarce, right? Or B, Elias has been an asshole this whole time and has been taking every rabbit or squirrel or bird for himself and the pack. Uh, which doesn't seem much like Elias, you know, I don't think he would, you know, the wolves can hunt for themselves, and I seriously doubt Elias is the type who would waste food and hunt when he didn't need it, or finally see, uh, that the pattern forced Perrin and Egwene across at a point of the RNL where they would encounter Elias, also keeping game out of their path, so the wolfy, wandering warder would have no choice but to take pity on the young cubs and feed them. You know, I mean, like, that's really how it could have worked here. And I can hear you asking, Perrin, I get. But why would the pattern force a Gwain into this situation as well? Why? Why, Gleeman? Well, to you, I would say, would it really be so weird for Perrin's Taviranus to twist the pattern so he meets a, meets a wolf brother guide and the innkeeper's daughter meets the first person in several books other than Baalzaman who has access to Teleron Riyadh. Yeah, I know. I seem to remember hearing Elias say at one point that he doesn't really mess with the dream much, but still he has access and at least a tiny, tiny knowledge, and the innkeeper's daughter is literally sitting among living beings who could teach her how to walk the dream this early. I mean, really, how interesting would that have been? Egwene taking some dream lessons from wolves? Oh, man. Uh, well, I guess the wise ones count after all. They are just a different kind of predator, but I just... I think it would have been great if she could have gotten a little bit of that teaching, too. You know? Uh, and also, funny enough... Oh, okay, no, we haven't got to it yet. We haven't got to it yet. We'll keep it, we'll keep it back. Um, Egwene is annoyed 
now, with the old man laughing at her, and she asks him stiffly if he would either lead them in the right direction uh, or point them in the right direction because she just doesn't want to be laughed at. And this cuts off Elias's laughter immediately. And he's like, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't like villages or farms or cities much, you know. There, there's nothing good in them, and they don't like my friends. And that's when they come. He tells them to be still, because his friends are coming now. And uh, Bella doesn't like that at all, and starts panicking immediately, you know, whinnying in fear as four large wolves prowl into the campsite and lay down between the humans. Uh, Parrot gets the sense that there are more wolves in the shadows as well. More than he knows, you know. Uh, more than that, he knows that he, how he recognized Elias's yellow eyes now. Because, cause, you know, they're wolf eyes. He figured it out, you know. <laughs> and uh, Parrot very nervously reaches for his axe. And the old man's like, oh. No, that's not a good idea. That's a bad idea, lad. Uh, the wolves' hackles are raising. And uh, <laughs> I like how Perrin feels like he can almost imagine the tension in the wolves' release as he moves his hand away from the axe. Huh, I wonder how he could know that. I wonder. So excited, guys. So early, he's already starting to get this empathetic connection, and it's so cool. And now, Egwene is the nervous one, uh, asking Elias if they're, uh, are these wolves tame? Are, are they like your pets? Because, you know, this is freaking me out. Bella is like, like you know, inching back and forth and, and raising her hooves. Like, you know, don't don't you try this. You don't want none of this. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll kick you, I swear. <laughs> like, they're not good. They're not doing good. They're freaking out a little bit. Uh, but Elias is just like, be still, be calm, and they won't hurt you. And the mare either, just relax. And she's like, again, are they, are, they, are they tame? Are they your pets? I'm freaking out here. And he's like, wolves don't tame, girl. Not even as good as men. <laughs> and he's like, they're just my friends. We hunt together, we rest together, we converse together. And to which Perrin marvels. It's very important that it says that. Marvels. You talk to them? Holy flaming light, this dude can talk to wolves? This is a crazy, awesome ability. You know? Now, I... Perrin marveled. That's what it says in the book. But I'm I, I'm sorry, folks, but I'm kind of stuck on this. This 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 term marveled. It's a good one. It's like saying you can talk to wolves. Said Perrin in wonder, or said Perrin in awe. You know, said Perrin in you get my point. At least on some level, Perrin is intrigued by the idea of a man talking to a wolf. But the way he treats the ability as the story goes on, you almost feel like he should have said, You can talk to wolves? said Perrin aghast. You know? I, I, it, doesn't that sound more in line 
with Perrin's storyline, how many listeners out there got increasingly frustrated with Perrin's moping about about his awesome wolf powers. Like, you know, who here doesn't want the ability to dream vividly and control that part of your, you know, REM cycle or whatever? Who doesn't want super enhanced senses? It's just... Perrin marveled seems like false hope and a lie to me right now. It makes me want to read on and see Perrin accept Young Bull, but no. We have to wait about a kajillion books for him to kind of be more settled into what he is. And as, as Rand settles into being a potentially crazy world-ending messiah before Perrin's like, yep, I'm a wolf and a man. It... Mm-hmm. Nope, it's false hope. Perrin didn't marvel. Perrin said aghast because he treats it like a curse instead of the gift of wonderment it really is. All right. Deep breaths. Moving on. <laughs> so here, Elias explains a bit of how communicating with wolves works and how he learned he could do it. And... I'm just gonna read these explanations directly from the book because I like how they're phrased and I don't want to screw up this explanation, alright? It's too important to that. So we're going to page 341. Alrighty, there it is again. The typo. You talk to them, Perrin marveled. It's a lie. It's a lie. If he marveled, he would have been a lot more accepting of it earlier. Um, okay, here, here's, here's Elias. It isn't exactly talking, Elias replied slowly. The words don't matter, and they aren't exactly right, either. Her name isn't Dapple. It's something that means the way shadows play on a forest pool at midwinter dawn, when the breeze, with the breeze rippling the surface, and the tang of ice when the water touches the tongue, and a hint of snow before nightfall in the air. But that isn't quite right, either. You can't say it in words. It's more of a feeling. That's the way the wolves talk. Does that mean my name would be like Roller? He who lounges in an office chair and sometimes rolls across the floor instead of getting his fat ass up to get it that way? Um, but that isn't quite right either. So, yeah. <laughs> That's the way wolves talk. The others are Burn, Hopper, and Wind. Burn had an old scar on his shoulder that explained... When... I don't think I need to read that part. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so it is interesting how they bring up the first day. Oh, that's not, that's that, that's another part. Okay. Okay, I remember. I'm supposed to read this other paragraph, but not the one in between. See, this is, this is why I shouldn't just say read this part from book in my notes because it's lazy. I just didn't want to mess it up. Um, so blah, blah, blah. Elias is pleased to have another human to talk to. Perrin wants to know how he learned to talk to wolves because, you know, um, he thought he might keep the potential crazy man uh, talking instead of, you know, having his friends, you know, attack, I, I, I think, you know, stall tactic, whatever. Uh, they found out, Elias replied. I didn't. Not at first. That's always the way of it, I understand. The wolves find you, not you them. 
Some people thought me touched by the Dark One, because wolves started to appear wherever I went. I suppose I thought it too, sometimes. Most decent folk began to avoid me, and the ones who sought me out weren't the kind I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, dark friends are never fun. Uh, one way or another, then I noticed there were times when the wolves seemed to know what I was thinking, to respond what was in my head. That was the real beginning. They were curious about me. Wolves can't sense people usually. Not like this. They were glad to find me. They say it's been a long time since they hunted with men. And when I they say a long time, the feeling I get is like a cold wind howling all the way down from the first day. There we go. That's where I should be in my notes. Uh, the first day named here seems really interesting to me. It makes me think that time wasn't always a wheel in this world. Maybe Sidene and Sidar pushing back and forth against each other um, are the wheel. So maybe when the one power wasn't necessary anymore, uh, time wouldn't be at a wheel anymore. But I, I honestly don't know. Uh, Egwene says she's never heard of men hunting with wolves, and Elias just ignores her and tells us that, you know, all wolves remember the history of wolves. Or at least the shape of it. Again, very cool. But they remember running down prey alongside men. But it's more of a shadow of a shadow than a proper memory. Uh, you know, but like I said, it's hard to put into words. Uh, I need to write my notes better here. Uh, yeah, I know, Elias. Why do you think I read directly from the sacred text? Because I don't want to be the guy that screws that shit up. But I still screwed that shit up. So whatever. Um... Egwene says, that just sounds really interesting, but it's obvious she's just trying to be polite again. Uh, I wonder if she's making those noises. I don't know. Uh, Elias looks at her sharply, like maybe he thinks she's mocking him or something, but he, she's just like, no, really, uh, it's great. Do you think you could um, uh, teach us to talk to wolves? Yeah, good job, Egwene. Uh, I don't think he heard the tremor in your voice at all. Yeah, great job. <laughs> but Elias is like, no, it can't be taught. Some people can do it. Some can't. <laughs> and that's when he drops the bail fire. They say he can, while indicating Perrin. <laughs> so, yeah, Perrin's now positive the man's crazy. Oh, oh, you're saying I can talk to wolves now. Yeah, okay, you fur-clad man that rolls on the ground laughing at his own goddamn jokes. Yeah, We'll believe you. <laughs> and Elias yet again asks them, why are they even here? You know, if you're going to Camelin, why are you out here in the middle of nowhere? Why? Why? Uh, now, this is a bit nosy uh, for a stranger, but, like, as the man fed them uh, and uh, they're totally lost, I think it's only right uh, that they... You know, answer the fur-clad man's questions. But Lan has told them not to speak the truth of these things. So what will they do? Well, as it turns out, the two have crafted a feasible tale for just this occasion. A way to explain their situation to any people they came across without letting slip certain dangerous information. Sounds good. Like, really, sounds good. Let's see... What you got, guys? And Egwene del begins delivering the story smoothly with Perrin nodding along approvingly. 
Uh, and <laughs> honestly, Perrin has a thought that even Tom Marilyn couldn't have crafted up a finer story with their limited knowledge of the world. Oh, Light, no. I, this is... Oh, this is going to be bad. Their story's just going to suck, isn't it? It, it? it, it, Yeah, yeah, you see? They're running away from farm, a tiny farming village outside Saldea. They've never been farther than 20 miles of home before, but Gleeman stories and merchant tales, well, they just lured them right out into the world. So now they want to see stuff like Camelin and Ilian and, I don't know, maybe even a Sea Floke Island. Like, they don't want to be greedy. Um, yeah, as you can see, it's obviously a masterly crafted tale, you know, not something Tom Marilyn could never top. I mean, it's, 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 it's not like Tom Marilyn pulled a story out of his ass, uh, in order to placate a temperamental but good-natured river captain just a few chapters before anything, pulling details from all the places the Gleeman's actually been and seen, <laughs> amateurish, you know what I mean? Mixing in the bit about saving the life of an Ilioner man to the captain who also happens to be an Ilioner, <laughs> way too much, way too forward, uh, uh, talking about places and things. You've never seen, that's the way to go about it. Perrin, good job, mate. Seriously, my God, Egwene, what a what a what a fantastic tale! I, I I honestly don't know how anyone could see through this. It's masterful. Except it's garbage. And I'm not the only one that sees through this bullshit. <laughs> Elias uh, was like, "Nice, nice. I see quite a tale. Uh, of course, there are a few things wrong with it. Like, uh, oh, I don't know. You don't look, speak, or act like a Saldean." You know, but like besides that, uh, Dapple says it's a whole lot of lies. The whole tale. <laughs> and Egwene tries to get all offended, but is kind of too nervous to pull it off. So she's just like, well then, if you think we're lying uh, to you, then obviously we're not welcome at your fire anymore. Uh, thanks for the food, but we'll be camping somewhere else tonight. Uh, and Elias is like, yeah, no, no. What I really need to know is about the Trollocs and Murdral. Dapple could smell them in your minds as you told that bogus story of yours. Yeah, Elias said bogus. Challenge me on that. <laughs> uh, all the wolves could smell it. Burn just wants to be done with you. He says hunting's been a bit scarce lately, and you're all plump and juicy, but Burn is always impatient. Why don't you tell me the truth now? The truth, mind. Even Dapple's nearly as upset as Burn. And then he goes on casually with this. I hope you're not dark friends. I'd hate to kill people after feeding them. Oh, man, what a... Oh, Elias is awesome there. Uh, the two hesitate. Uh, and Egwene looks at Perrin. And he's just like, oh, now she wants me to take charge, huh? Oh, brilliant. 
just great. And the big guy slowly kind of lets his hand fall towards his axe, and the wolves rise to their feet again, hackles up, and growling. And it just wasn't the four in the camp this time either. Out in the trees, past the fire, Perrin heard more. First two howls, then ten, then twenty, and the night was full of it. And then suddenly it was quiet. And Perrin's just like, shit, all right, fine, all right, I'll tell you. <laughs> and the wolves actually respond to him and settle down to listen to his tale. <laughs> so Perrin began, for real this time, saying it all started when his friend Matt Cawthon saw a dark rider in a black cloak that didn't move in the wind. The cloak didn't move in the wind. Not the, whatever. From there, he told the whole tale. Winter Night, Berlon, the hordes of Trollocs, Shatter Logoth, Mashadar, all their way to their plans for heading to Camelin, and then possibly going on to Tarvalin if they must. The only thing he left out of the dream out was the dreams of Baalzaman, and he, he kept expecting the wolves to notice, but they just, they just watched him. I think they're cool with him leaving that alone, you know? Uh, also, I really like how Perrin seemed to gauge the wolves listening to his tale. He's like, Dapple seems friendly, and Bird seems angry. Oh, I wonder... I wonder how he knows that. I mean, I don't think Dapple's sitting there uh, wagging her tail, so he must be getting it somewhere else, right? Uh, and by the time Perrin was finished, uh, he talked so long his throat was cracked and parched and Elias threw him a water bag, musing aloud that Trollocs this far south was a problem and something worth thinking on, uh, and that he doesn't hold with Aes Sedai much. And here... <laughs> we get a bit of a glimpse into the man Elias was. We learn that the Red Aja wanted to gentle him due to his, well, let's call it wolfish abnormality, uh, and this apparently pissed the warder off, and he called those Reds Black Aja to their faces. That is a brave, brave man. Huh, funny, I can't quite recall. Is this the first mention of the Black Aja? Cool. Anyways, he goes on saying that, you know, he pissed the Reds off, calling them Black Aja, and he had to escape them, and he had to kill a few warders to do it. Uh, but once he got into the woods, they weren't able to keep up with him anymore. Bad business killing warders, he says, like it's no thing. Just not a big deal at all. Jesus. Uh, the only other non-Aeel, non-Taviran character I could even believe that from in this portion of the books would be Lan himself. I mean, I guess Gawain and Galad could be counted later on, but I don't, I mean, Galad's one thing, but I don't really want to count Gawain for anything because it's just like really frustrating how he starts the series out being pretty cool and like each book we sees him, he see him, he's that much more of an asshole until who else besides me was kind of like happy Gawain died I mean if you're like shit Egwene oh no but at the same time you're like Jesus Gawain at least you're gone now your attitude was just too much it was too much it was so frustrating um oh fun fact 
Uh, I might have called Elias earlier a former warder. I don't remember if I used that phrasing or not. Uh, but he's actually still bonded to his Aes Sedai, Rena Hafton. And uh, she has only masked the bond so he can't sense her. So she can come up on him at any time. Um, she can sense him. And in true Green, I Green Aja fashion, she has not even once ever considered giving up on him as her warder. You know, she is his by, you know, Aja standards. And by the way, if you're trying to place, if you guys know Rena Hafton at all, you do. Uh, do you remember Jolene? who is unseated from the hall by Elida and sent to Ibudar uh, with Teslin and where they met up with Matt and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Rena replaced Jolene in the hall. So, yeah, there you go. The more you know. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, a brief thing I forgot. It's also rumored uh, that Elias is actually married to his Aes Sedai. So, yeah, the more you know again. Moving on. So, Elias saying he didn't like he doesn't like Aes Sedai and that you guys should stay clear of Aes Sedai makes Perrin feel like he needs to talk a little quick you know he's noticing a stubborn gleam in Egwene's eye and he's worried she might you know just go blurting out that she wants to be Aes Sedai so he speaks the simple truth he wishes he could stay away from them he honestly does far far away but he doesn't really have a choice you know, he keeps getting followed. Trollocs, Merdral, Drakkar. He says, like, that, you know, the only thing they haven't seen after them are dark friends. Which, you know, he doesn't know Padon Fane is a dark friend. And, uh, huh, you know, now I'm thinking about it. Is Fane still a dark friend? I mean, by now he must have merged with Mordeth, right? And left Shadar Loga. That's something to think on. Anyways... Elias has a silent chat with the wolves, which Perrin, you know, really tries to ignore because if he watches them, he almost feels like he can understand or faintly hear the conversation going on between them and he just he just doesn't want it. He looks away and he sees Hopper and Hopper gives him a grin. Uh, I love it. Hopper already looking out for Young Bull, right? Plus, Perrin's just freaking out a little bit more because he's like, how did I know that one was named Hopper? Oh no! <laughs> oh no, what happened? My notes went crazy. Oh, we're back to the Tom Marilyn bit in my notes. Moving down, moving down, moving down. Nope, moving up. Okay, gasp. And that's when Elias really, really surprises them with a new offer. You could stay here with us, with me and the wolves. Uh, and uh, when the two youths look thoroughly shocked, He's like, well, what else could be better? Trollocs don't mess with the wolf pack, okay? They might, they might chase down and kill one, one, one wolf alone, but they'll go miles out of their way to avoid a pack. And Perrin's just like, I mean, I, that's nice and all. But there's other stuff following us other than Trollocs. And Elias just chuckles, I've seen them pull down one of the eyeless too. Lost half the pack, but they would not stop until it's dead. You know, the wolves hate Trollocs more than anything. Merdral too. More than anything. And so does he. The girl is inconsequential. The, 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 the horse probably will get eaten, but what they really want 
is Perrin. That's what Elias says. It's you they want, boy. They've heard about other men who can talk to wolves, but you're the first they've ever met outside me. And Perrin's just still in denial mode, which I get, you know, now. When he's just figuring out about it. You know, several books from now, you know, he's like, look, I can't do what you say, what you can do. I, I, I just, I just can't. I don't know why you keep saying this absurd thing. Like, that I can talk to a wolf. It's, it's, it's nonsense. And frankly, I wish you'd stop. <laughs> and I love it. And Elias is just all, yeah, whatever, boy. Play the goat if you will. But it's an option. Um... However, while Parrot is still firmly in denial mode and, and like, he, he's not looking for alternatives right now. He's just like, I can't talk to Wolf. No, 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 I can't hear you. No, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> but Egwene speaks up loud and strong. She's like, thank you, Mr. Elias, but we'll be going to Camelin and then to Tarvalin. And I love Parrot's reaction here because he just... She just burst out with it, and she gives Perrin an angry look like he was all gung-ho to stay in the woods with the old man and the wolves. And Perrin just gives her an angry look right back, and then gives us a truly wonderful and funny and sassy retort. I, I, I'm just going to read it out of the book again, because I'm too lazy to type it down. Uh, page 346, second to last paragraph. Closing his mouth, Perrin met her angry look with one of his own. He knew that she followed his lead when she wanted to, and not when she did not. But she could at least let him answer for himself. And this is when he gets catty and amazing, and it's just hilarious. What about you, Perrin? He said and answered himself. Me? Well, let me think. Yes. Yes, I think I'll go on. He turned a mild smile on her. Oh my god, I love it so much. Well, Egwene, that makes both of us. I guess I'm going with you. Good to talk these things out before making a decision, isn't it? And she blushed, but the set of her jaw never lessened. It's just parents like, oh yeah, let's talk things through, Egwene. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she got her embarrassed, okay? It, it, it worked. It's so funny. I love it. I really do. Um, and Elias isn't surprised at all. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's what Dapple said you'd say. She says, the girl is planted firmly in the human world while you stand in between. And when I read this line, I thought it was amazing. Because first I was thinking I was still in the Dreamwalker thought process in my head. You know... Halfway between worlds sounds like a really good medium for someone entering the world of dreams. Uh, and it makes me think, like, is Egwene's halfway between Aes Sedai and Wise One? And while Perrin's, like, halfway is Aes Sedai and Man? And I, I, I don't... I, Perrin's halfway is Aes Sedai and Man. Uh, Perrin's halfway would be Aes Sedai and... Wolf and Man! I just... Okay, we're almost at the end. We're almost at the end. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, regardless, Elias decides he might as well go south with them in the morning so they don't starve, you know, or get more lost or, you know, die and end up in a trolley cook pot. But he's interrupted by Burn, who gets up in a huff, and there's this brief but intense stare down 
between Burn and Elias, and then Burn and Dapple, before Burn just heads off into the darkness. And Elias explains to them that Burn hates Trollocs. It's like all there really is to him, you know? He got that Burn when he was a yearling, and that's what named him. Uh, makes you think, uh, when do wolves get their names? Like, after a, they're a solid year old? Like, who knows? Um... It's kind of like Scar from Lion King. It's like, is he called it because, or is he? Oh, well, whatever. Uh, yeah. So if there are Trollocs and Murdral about, Burn's going to be off hunting them. And <laughs> Gwen's all, like, supremely relieved at this. She thinks she got out of traveling with Elias and the Wolves. You know, she's all like, oh, yeah, nope, nope, no problem. I understand. You don't have to accompany us. It's cool. If you can just point us in the right direction, that would be great. Just, just fantastic. And the grizzled old man just waves her off and says, didn't I tell you Dapple leads this pack? Don't worry about it. We'll head with off with you in the morning. And Queen's just like, yay. <laughs> I bet she's super excited to be traveling with a potentially crazy mountain man with wolves for friends who, by the way, dislikes uh, and probably in her mind disrespects Aes Sedai, that what she wants to be. So she's like, hey, I get to walk around with another person who doesn't respect my power. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. The chapter ends with parents' denial being truly put to the test. He gets a thought from Burn as he's follow as as the wolf heads out into the darkness, followed by several other young males. His first true unadulterated contact from the wolves, probably because it's such a strong emotional sending. Hatred, hatred, and the taste of blood. And that is it. That is the end of chapter twenty-three. Wolf brother, I'm going to take a tiny little break. And then I'm going to fetch Balsamon from the other room, and we're going to answer some of his Q&A questions, and then I'm going to post it. It's going to be great. Oh All right. God. I almost forgot. Time. There actually is one more thing I wanted to talk about before we get to Balsamon's Q&A section. Uh, it's the places and people brought up in this chapter and how they kind of not foreshadow but how fun it is to think about how it relates to these characters' future. Uh, Elias talks about going to the Waste and meeting the Aiel, and that's something that Egwene will do. She will go to the Waste, and Perrin will even make friends with multiple Aiel. Gaul, uh, and he kind of gets along with Bane and Chiad, uh, but Gaul he really respects, you know what I mean? And it, it's not only that. They're talking about how they're from Saldea, and they're heading to Ilion and Camelin and all that. And Baron's wife is Saldean. And unless she finds some master way to get out of it, uh, by the end of the series, she's queen, right? So Perrin, I, he won't be king, but he'll be uh, the queen's consort, the queen's general. I, I, I don't know. So he will technically be a major player in Saldea by the time this is all over. And who knows... Fayil could already be on her way or in Ilion ready to take the Hunter's Oath. I know that comes to play here really soon. The events of Eye of the World are very, very short. So she could be traveling to Ilion right now for all we know. 
Uh, it's just, it's to me, it's really cool, but let, let's move on to Balzaman, all right? Look, Gleeman, all I'm saying is you've still yet to add the Friends of the Dark tier, and I don't know why. Like, won't you just put it up there for me, please? Like, I, I do so much on this podcast. Is there a reason I can't get my own tier? Oh, God, I've told you, Balzaman, if anybody ever requests a Friends of the Dark tier, we'll think about putting it up. But guess what? You've been asking about it and asking about it and asking about it and asking about it. And guess what? No one has requested it. So let it go and we'll bring it up again if it is requested. Okay? All right. Yeah, let's do that. Now... Let's get on with why you're here again, Baalzaman's Q&A section. Damn right, let's get to it. I, Baalzaman, can answer any question posed to man. <laughs> uh, I just want to briefly uh, say to everybody listening out there, uh, this might be the last one in a while. Uh, we haven't what? been getting more questions why? in, so if you want no, to submit a question to be, be answered by Baalzaman, uh, I would suggest, you know, comment, uh, email me at gleemanradio at gmail.com or, you know, send me a message on Twitter or you can even go to my subreddit, gleemanradio or, you know, any of those options. We're getting low on them, so if you want to hear them, you got to give me the questions. <laughs> Are you ready, Balsamon? Of course I'm ready. But first I'd like to make it clear that, you know, listeners out there are ordered by me Nameless, Baalzaman, Heart of the Dark, to submit more questions for me to answer. I, I, I honestly want more to do than the recap and the spoiler. So get on that. Now, what are the questions, Gleeman? Let's get this going. Alrighty then, question one comes from patron James Claver, who submitted his question on Twitter. Uh, his question for the Nablus is in channeling the power does physical fitness of the channeler matter or offer advantage? And if so lift or cardio? Cardio. Clearly cardio. Let's be honest in channeling uh, being a bit overweight doesn't really matter uh, and your physical strength doesn't really matter. But you should have a good reaction speed. So uh, I would suggest cardio, a bit of running, a bit of, you know, there's always good training to be done. There's no reason to get soft. But at the same time, physical prowess isn't a supreme necessity for the channeler. Uh, even the average low blood weakling channelers need it little. So I would say cardio, keep yourself in relatively good shape, not necessarily, you know, uh, muscle-bound or lean and athletic, but as long as you are in a decent physical fitness, I would say that would be good enough. Uh, if you let yourself go too completely, uh, then you might not be able to react in the split second needed to destroy your enemy or shield yourself. That is my answer. Uh, wow, that was a, an exceptionally professional and respectful response, uh, Balzaman. Wow. Uh, the second question comes from Troy Firth from Reddit, 
and they're questioning, is it possible to bail fire Lanfear so hard that she never opens the boar? Is this question a joke? Because if it is, it's a bad joke. Are, are, are they meaning, can they bail fire Lanfear when she appears in, in the next book, in book two? Because, no, not ever, no, absolutely not. But if, like, for example, uh, Lanfear Merrin, as we called her then, if her partner, while she drilled into the boar, turned upon her and noticed the evil coming from the boar and immediately killed her using balefire, maybe, but most likely not. I mean, even if he used all of his strength right then and there, because, uh, well, it was the prison for the great lord of the dark, not some inconsequential tear in the fabric of reality. It, it, it was the opening of his prison. It, it was the beginning of the end of inevitability. It was the return to the age-old war that had happened again and again and again. You can't... I don't think even Balefire could have closed it. I... but... It would have had to be done in the exact moment it was opened, and even if it happened, I'm not sure that the seal wouldn't have been weaker than before. I, 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 that's the best I can do with this question. Yeah. yeah. All right, you know, your answer to that question seemed more or less, you know, uh, rude, which seems point of fact yeah that is a that is a bit of an odd question i don't i i, I agree with balsamon i don't think you could do it unless you did it at like the moment the boar was torn and even then would that be enough to seal it back up entirely or would that just you know leave it weakened i, I it's it's hard to know so here is the last question of the day and it comes from arangar5 on reddit I, hey balza buddy <laughs> Uh, why do you always wear the big cloaks and stuff in an attempt to look intimidating? If you just hit the gym for a few centuries, you could probably hashtag get jacked. Is that what we've come to now? Are all of these questions supposed to be about my physical well-being? I am nameless, people. No, I am not overweight. Yes, I am quite well-built. I am just do not care about physical fitness. Why are you people so damn surprised about my uh, cloaks and coats? I, I, I don't get it. Every character that is ever mentioned in the series ever, the first descriptor we get is their cloak. First thing we get of Randall Thor, his cloak billowing in the wind. First thing we get of Luz Theron, he's walking around in his cloak that's all dusty. I, 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 I just, I, I'm in perfectly fine shape. And I don't know why people are persisting to have this conversation. It is ridiculous. And again, the next time someone calls me Bowser Buddy, they are getting nightmares that will horrify them for the rest of their life. So yes, I am already jacked, okay? Physical power just means nothing to the channeler. All right, Betrayer, calm down. No reason to get testy. They're just asking their questions. I mean, you're not going to get that upset just because they're wondering about how well shape you're in, are you? Just, just, just cool down a bit. Uh, you know, why don't you, 
why don't you uh, go back and watch more compilation videos on epic fails? Why don't you do that? All right, Gleeman, I think I will. I've had enough of this nonsense. I am nameless, nameless, highest of the chosen. I think I should be getting a little bit more respect around here. So remember to send in more questions for me and not about my physical appearance, you know, and, and also, yes, Friends of the Dark here, ask for it. I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm Uh, storming off in a huff again. What's new? Well, that was the, the, the podcast, everybody. I hope you all liked it. Uh, if you do enjoy this content and would like to help out the podcast, please go check out our Patreon page. You know, for a dollar a month, you can support the channel, and you don't get charged until the first of the month. So, I, I, I mean, our first drawing is going to be in September. And right now I only have one Patreon patron. I keep saying Patreon when I mean patron. Uh, and, you know, right now he's got a clean slide for victory. Okay? So uh, even a dollar a month gets you a ticket in. Uh, and you get to support the channel. Help me get better prizes, better um, equipment. Uh, hopefully soon I'll be able to commission... Some sort of Wheel of Time fan art. I want some Chibi Balsamons and Gleemans. And I want some uh, Gleeman and Balsamon yelling into radio microphones. And I want all this stuff. But I need to find out where to get it. And I also need to, you know, uh, find a way to pay for it. So uh, I guess I need to save up and figure out where the hell I can go. If any of you know where I can get some great Wheel of Time fan art, or if you yourself feel like you are a adequate artist uh maybe send me your contact information on you know email or something like that so we can figure this out i'd love to get some uh custom illustrations and that would be so cool um yeah so check out a patreon if you like uh help me figure out how to get fan art if you like comment and like always criticize if you feel like it uh, give me a review on Apple or iTunes. Five stars, please. Uh, and yeah, have a wonderful rest of the day wherever you are. Morning, afternoon, or evening. Take care now. Peace out. Bye.